Did you know that there is such a thing as a bouncy house mafia? And this is no joke. These people, they don't play around. Did, did you catch that? There was a kind of play on words, mafia, bouncy house, and play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you got that one. Welcome to my take. Well, it's not my take. It's Miguel Crespo's take. Whatever. For inspiration to go. Welcome to my take. Pastor Crespo here. My take is your oasis of inspiration and hope in the desert of negativity and despair. Thank you for being a part of the My Take family. I have a news article for you. I'd like to jump right into this. Let me just say, you know, I just want to throw the email out there. MyTakeMC at gmail.com. MyTakeMC at gmail.com. If you want to send me a news article or tell me what you think about the podcast, that's the way to get in touch with me. All right, let's, let's begin here. I have a story out of Australia, and the title... You know, I guess it, it's it's interesting when you start doing some things, research, just to try to find out what's happening in different parts of the world. Boy, there's some things that you don't realize was out there. It, and I guess it's been out there the whole time, but you just, it's not part of my life. Didn't think this was a thing. But uh, the the bouncy house business, this is this is serious business. And according to this article, it could be rather dangerous. Here's the title. A bouncy house castle or a bouncy castle business owner is sentenced to prison after ordering arson attacks on his rivals. That's right. Here's the article. James Balcom, who's 58 years old, was jailed. And and I'm reading, of course, he was jailed yesterday after reportedly pleading guilty to 11 charges of conspiracy to commit arson against fellow competitors in the party hire equipment business. This man, well, you know what? Rather than summarize it, let me read more of this to you because I think it's I think it's written pretty well. Victoria County Police have since stated that the Melbourne-based business owner was completely fixated on ensuring the success of his company and would go to extreme lengths to fight off his competitors. Balcom was so so bent on keeping his business afloat, and not only that, but wanted to be number one, that he devised a plot to outdo his competitors once and for all. What was the plan? He paid off two co-offenders to firebomb competing businesses. That's right. This happened somewhere between 2016 and 2017. Two men, Craig Anderson and Peter Smith, he paid them 2000 Australian dollars per attack for every business that they set on fire. Balcom, this gentleman, because they had a string of arsons on these party hire companies and their warehouses, he even set his own place on fire in order to kind of deflect a suspicion towards him. Of course, it didn't work. It turns out that there was an attack on one firm, one company, and the attack did over a million dollars worth of damage. By that time, the police, they were looking, looking. They put more resources into this and eventually ended up realizing that it was this man, Mr. Balcom, owner of his own bouncy house castle business, and was trying to be number one at the expense of burning down his competition. Now, I read this article, and man, you talk about weird. You talk about, you know, you, you, you're you so desperate to be number one that you're going to push these people out of business by hook or crook, as they say, one way or the other. That's pretty cutthroat for party, for party supplies, but wow. All right, so let me, let me, I shared this article with you. It's out there. You can check it out yourself. But I want to take, I want to go into some type of a Bible take, some type of a Bible lesson. 
what can we take from this story? What angle can we look at that will help us segue into something from the scriptures? Well, there are a couple of things. One thing is, you know, imagine imagine someone so desperate to be the top dog, so desperate to be number one, that they will even go as far as to eliminate anyone that they see as a threat. Does that remind you of anyone in the Bible? So desperate to be number one that they eliminate the threat. Well, if it doesn't, it should. It should remind you of the devil himself, Lucifer. The devil who wanted, you know, as the Bible says, there's a section in the Bible in the book of Isaiah that says, he said of himself, I will be like the Most High. He wanted to be like God. He wanted the worship that God had. But not being able to receive it was kicked out of heaven, caused all this trouble on earth. And when Jesus Christ came, when he showed up on the scene of history as a man, the devil pulled out all the stops. And finally, at least in his mind at that moment, he thought he had succeeded when he had killed the son of the living God. And whatever victory he thought he might have had was super short-lived because I'm here to tell you, my Savior has the power over death. He resurrected, and he's well. He's alive and well even today. But this story, this idea of fire, that was one lesson that came out. This story, fire being used to establish dominance, reminds me of a story in the Bible, and this is what the podcast is about. I want you to become more Bible literate. I want you to come into contact with the author of Scripture. So there's a story in the Bible dealing with fire being used to establish dominance, and that is found in the uh, first Kings chapter 18. I want to encourage you, if you're a Bible student, you should go there, you should read this story. If you do not have a Bible but would like one, contact me, mytakemc at gmail.com. Send me your address. I will send you a Bible. But here's a story in 1 Kings 18. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of give you the, the Miguel notes of the story here for the purpose of the podcast. The Bible said that there was a prophet by the name of Elijah. Now, this prophet was a good prophet of the Lord. He was faithful. He loved God. He obeyed God, but he found himself discouraged. He was discouraged because it seemed like in all the land of Israel, he felt like he's the only one. I'm the only one being faithful. Everybody's doing their own thing. Well, you got to read the story to find out. But at one point, Elijah decides, you know what? We are going to have, we're going to settle this once and for all. And he comes to, he sends a message to the king and he says to the king, look, Let's do this. I worship the God of heaven, the creator God. You worship Baal. Why don't we do this? Let us have finally a competition, a test, to see which one of these gods is actually real. This is what the test con consisted of. There were going to be two altars set up. One altar was going to be Elijah's. The other altar was going to be for the prophets of Baal. They were going to set a sacrifice on it, and all they were going to do, they were going to pray to their God. And in praying to their God, Elijah said, whoever, whichever one of the gods, whichever one answers by fire, that is the one we'll worship. That is God. That is the Lord. Well, of course, King Ahab agreed to this test. <laughs> Elijah stood there by himself. Verses 850 prophets that have gathered together for this event. That's right. While the people in the area all gathered to watch, Elijah found himself one versus 850. 
And so if you read the story, the story goes that Elijah, you know, he he had both of them. They set up these altars of stone, and he even was so kind. They said, you know what? You guys go first. Call out to your God to see if he answers by fire. Oh, I'm telling you, 1 Kings 18, you got to read it, because the Bible says that <clears throat> the Bible says that these prophets began to call out to their God, Baal. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us, begging him to accept their offering and send down some type of bolt of lightning or something and cause a fire. Now, the Bible says that this went on for most of the day, calling to Baal. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. These prophets, and I'm sure it wasn't all 850. They were there watching, but the prophets that were taking part in the sacrifice, <clears throat> these prophets were there, and they got so worked up. They got, I don't know if it's excitement. I don't know if they were in a trance. If, if you're saying all day long, oh, Bill, hear us, oh, Bill, hear us, oh, Bill, hear us, you're going to have something going on. The Bible says that they began cutting themselves. They began cutting themselves in an effort to <clears throat> I don't know, appease Baal in an effort to get Baal's attention. And, and here is one of the places in the Bible where you read humor, where you read something that definitely you laugh at. And that is this, that Elijah, as he's watching the prophets doing their thing, he calls out and says, hey, you need to yell louder. Maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe he's on a trip. Maybe he can't hear you. Yell louder. And he's working these guys up, and they're over there. Bell hears, oh, Bell hears, oh, Bell hears, cutting themselves, blood all over the place. The Bible says this went on for probably maybe most of the day. Well, finally, they couldn't make it happen. They go to Elijah, and this is what Elijah does. This guy's nuts. He sets his, makes his altar of, of rocks. He gets the sacrifice. He he kills it. He puts it on the on the top of the altar, and he says to the people, "Hey, um." I need you to do something for me. I need you to get giant jars of water, and we're going to douse this thing, everything, with water. Isaiah didn't do it once. He did it three times. Three times he had them take <clears throat> large jugs of water and pretty much waterlog the sacrifice, waterlog the stone. There was a, a, a pit dug around it, almost like a moat around this altar. Water was filling that up. And finally, when he did all of this preparation, <clears throat> and you got to think of this guy is making fun of these people because he has faith. He knows what's about to happen. He douses it with water, and he finally just offers a simple prayer to God. At that moment, as he's offering up this prayer to God, the Bible says that woof, fire came down and consumed not just the sacrifice, not just the rocks, it also lapped up and dried all the water that was around it in the little, I'm calling it a moat, I don't know what it was, little trench. On that day, the prophets of Baal tried to use fire to establish dominance, to establish their dominance over Elijah's God, 850 strong. They wanted to see what you see visually. We want you to see when God, our God does whatever it is they expected him to do, but that plan backfired on them. You get it? The They tried to establish dominance by fire, and it backfired. Get it? Yeah, I, I okay, I'm just checking. I get, I get strokes of, you know, sometimes I do this on purpose. The plan backfired on them. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that for their troubles, what happened to these prophets? For their troubles, they found themselves... Um, 
they found themselves dead. Elijah dispatched these people with haste after this because he was so jealous for God's honor. These people, these 850 prophets, had steered the people of Israel away from the Creator God. They'd, they'd caused them to believe, honestly, really, in case you haven't read this in the Bible, the Bible says that pagan gods are actually demons. That's right. They thought they're worshiping some god. They weren't. <clears throat> they're worshiping demons, evil angels who rebelled against God's authority, who are now trying to get men to worship them. That's all they are. But on that day, those demons didn't have a chance. Their plan to try and set that thing on fire, and I'm sure behind the scenes, if, if you could pull back that spiritual curtain, you'd see them, those evil angels with their little flint trying to get this thing going, trying to command fire on this, on this, on this sacrifice to do whatever they could, because here was their opportunity, once and for all, to show the world that the Creator God was not the God. But yet, I don't know what God did. Did He say, let there be no fire? Did He, did he stop them from, from trying to play their tricks? Who knows what he did? We can find out when we get to heaven. But the bottom line is this. They couldn't do it. They didn't have the mastery. God proved that no matter what you try to do, I am in charge. I have the mastery over fire. I have the victory over life and death. I have the keys to eternal life. You see, this is what God did on that day. People use this man in this news story. He used fire to establish dominance. That attempt to establish dominance backfired on him, pun intended. It backfired on him, and now he's going to prison for several years because of his efforts. But you see, in the Bible, the story here is the same thing. These 850 prophets of Baal, they tried to use fire to establish their dominance. This backfired on them too. They paid for it, not with jail time, but with their life. They lost their lives on that day. Let me share a Bible scripture with you. <clears throat> the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So I want to take a little bit of a departure from the story and jump into this verse, because they are connected, but you got to maybe make the little transition. You see, some people, some people will do anything to get ahead in life. Some people will step over the bodies of others to make a way. Some people will lie, will cheat, will steal, will make other people look bad just so that they could get some type of a promotion or get some type of a Benny, something. The Bible has a different prescription to being great, to being successful. That is waiting on God to lead you to it. In other words, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Do things the right way. You know, there's that golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Some people have turned it around, and it's do unto others before they do unto you. But the Bible says, no, no. If you want to be exalted, rather than you working hard and stepping on people and breaking necks and doing all this, tell you what, humble yourself before God. Be humble before the God of the universe. Let him be the one in his time to exalt you. You know, <clears throat> that piece of advice would have saved this man from jail time. Heeding that piece of advice would save Lucifer from the fire that's awaiting him when all this is said and done. If the prophets of Baal 
Well, I don't know how that would have helped them because they were sold out on demon worship. But if they would have decided to be faithful and humble before God, whatever notoriety or success they had as a quote-unquote prophet, God would have supplied in his way and in his time. Oh, my friend, this morning, today, whenever you hear this podcast, if it's this evening, I want to encourage you that God is in the process of exalting people. God wants you to be successful. God wants you to do very well. But it's got to be in his way and in his time. Don't push it. Always put your best foot forward. Always do your best, but try as much as you can. Do not achieve your goals at the expense of other people because it's short-lived and it will eventually backfire. Do it God's way. It's longer lasting. It may take a little longer to get there, but it'll be more permanent. That's my take. And that's inspiration to go.